Welcome to season five of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast, where we can face the challenges of this lifestyle together. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I have another episode with Matt and I together. I know a lot of you guys like to hear from Matt, and um, I'm always happy when he can join me. And so I'm excited to share with you the webinar that we did back in August. If you remember, we put out a live webinar event where it was a two-hour event where the first hour was public, and we kind of taught on the insanity cycle. Um, The insanity cycle is when you and your spouse start to kind of get into a conflict and then you find yourself triggering each other and then soon enough things have escalated and you're having like you're not even talking about what you first started to argue about you're kind of getting into these old wounds these old past issues or maybe it's the same argument that you have all the time and you've had it for years right you just find yourself in these patterns of behavior between the two of you um, where you just keep triggering each other things get worse and you just kind of find yourself in this loop that you can't get out of. So we call that the insanity cycle. We have one, most couples do, um, but we wanted to teach the Insanity Cycle for you guys, and so we did a one-hour webinar on that, followed by a question and answer, kind of private question and answer that we did in the second hour. So this episode is actually going to be the first hour, if you missed that event, it's Matt and I discussing the Insanity Cycle, talking about how that plays out in our marriage, and then if you would like to have access to the second hour where we took questions and kind of interacted with people a little bit more, you can go over to my website, Life Giver. It's life-giver.org. And I'll put the link in the show notes where you can get access to that second episode because otherwise this would be an hour and a half long episode. So, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I hope it's helpful to you. And here we go. This is a two-hour event. Um, we're going to have a break in the middle. So I know some of the guys are tuning in like, what did my wife drag me into for a two-hour thing on, I see Krista, yes, a two-hour thing on a Thursday I night. I don't even want to guess. I don't even right? <laughs> so <laughs> a two-hour event. But here's what it's going to be. So those of you who are watching on Facebook, it will be one hour and we're going to shut down Facebook and give the rest of what we got to those of you who registered on Zoom. So here's the format. Um, We are going to take the first 45 minutes or so streaming in both locations to teach on a topic that is um, definitely, I don't want to say near and dear to our heart because it's a tough topic, Um, but we're going to teach on a little bit about how you can interrupt the crazy cycle that might be existing in your marriage and in your marriage communication. Did you want to say something? It's at least near (laughs) as far as time-wise because we were still- Just last night. (laughs) Well, she says just last night. Literally for us, it was just this, for me, it was just this morning. Still going on this morning. Still going on this morning. Like (laughs) you go to sleep, you wake up, issue is still there. Yep. So uh, the funny thing with us, whenever we're actually like trying to put something out there and help couples, um, we always have this really interesting experience where we have to like retry this practice at least 24 to 48 hours prior to it happening. So- we're not going to put anything out there that we like a madman haven't tried on ourselves. So we, we experience, we experiment all this stuff on ourselves just as early as this morning. So. <laughs> just as early as this morning. So those of you guys, hi, I see, I see kids are watching. Okay. So uh, such a distraction, Krista. Okay. So um, we are going to talk all about this whole crazy cycle thing tonight. And so the first hour, those of you who are watching on Facebook, we're going to teach on that, but here's the deal. We'll take a short break at the top of the hour, close to seven o'clock our time, central time. Those of you who are Eastern, Um, It is seven o'clock for you. So close to eight o'clock, we'll take a little bit of a break. We'll shut down Facebook. And then the second hour on Zoom, we're going to give you guys a chance to unmute yourselves and have a little bit more of a conversation, a little bit of some back and forth and dive a little bit deeper and maybe answer some questions as well. So um, know that in either place, you guys can comment, you can ask questions, you can participate. But that second hour is really going to be reserved for those of you on Zoom who really want to like unmute and have it not be live on Facebook. Okay, so that's the goal. This is a little new for us to try this technology. So bear with us and thank you for your patience so far. So you wouldn't think it'd be new, 
because we've all been living like a digital life for a good six months, but it's still. new for us to moderate this by ourselves and teach it all at the same time and hope that it all goes off successful. So if you are last thing for those of you who are on Facebook, if you are watching and you decide, you know what, I think I do want to participate in the second hour. Um, you're on my Facebook page already. I have linked a million times how you can go register an event bright where you can get the zoom link and still come into the zoom call. So if you decide in the next hour that you would like to join us on the zoom call for that second hour, you still can tickets are still available. Um, but if you're like, you know, what, an hour is enough for the weathers, we're going to shut them down after that. Um, um, then you can definitely do that on Facebook. So do we have any questions before we get started? Um, tell us where you guys are coming from. Tell us, um, I know some of you guys are coming in from the East Coast. Um, we, I'm just super curious as to, I know some of you guys are coming in from Hood and we need to introduce ourselves. It's probably a better way to start. Yeah, right? you've just hit the ground running. So I I'm did. just watching you just kind of just kind of go. I did. So. so if you have questions, please um, let us know if you have questions. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, tell us where you are coming um, or tuning in from while we just take a quick second to introduce ourselves. So I'm going to start. Um, my name is Corey Weathers, and I'm a military spouse. I'm also a licensed professional counselor and have devoted much of my career to military and first responder couples and families. It's just my thing. It's my nation. You dragged me into this whole military lifestyle. So I just embraced it and now we love it. And I can't think of anything else better to do. So in my spare time, I'm working with service organizations, working with couples just like you. And marriage is really just um, where I have the most passion because I think if we can get marriage right, we can change generations. And that's kind of my goal um, to change as many generations as possible, including my own. So that's a little bit about me. You want to go? Yeah, my name is Matt Weathers. I'm a chaplain in the U.S. Army. Anything I say tonight will not be. I'm not speaking on behalf of the Department of Defense. I am speaking to the heart of those people that serve in the Department of Defense. Um, really what I want for you, my want for you and your family is that it's a sanctuary. I don't know about you, but my days are hard enough. They are long enough that when I come home, I want to have a place where uh, we're not arguing, where I feel at peace with the family, um, a place where I can really plug back in and not feel uh, like I have to, you know, do some massive major catch up in order to do that. Um, but also I wanna be able to, to, to help you guys understand some of the, I don't wanna say tips and tricks because it's not like, a, you know, you snap your fingers and things just get better, but some of the things we've had to institute that we have to keep reminding ourselves over time in order to help our family be what we want it to be, the ideal that we hold for ourselves. So we know exactly how hard it is. I mean, we've been at this for 12 years. Um, and uh, The military life. The military life. No, yeah, we've been married for 21, but we've been in the military life uh, from Virginia. I bet it's colder up there. Vicenza, Italy. Ah, but that's us. Real so good wine up there. So, um, so but you said everybody, yeah. I also get easily distracted. So, um, you know, what's really distracting right now is the sunbeams that are on your shirt. So if you want to like, uh, you might, maybe we can, it's going to get bright guys. Hold on. No, oh, no, there we go. Okay. No. That was distracting. It's worse than yeah. what you did. Okay. So it's just going to be what it is. We're going to, yeah. the sun is going to set in Texas with all of us together. So yeah, like Matt said, we've been married for 21 years. We do not have it um, perfect in our marriage. Like he said, we even found ourselves having to apply the same material that we're going to cover tonight in our own lives yeah. last night and even this morning. And so we are going to dive in. Nicole, I did see your question on Facebook about will this be recorded? And the answer is yes. We are recording this and the full two hours will be recorded. Anybody who shares anything in the second hour on Zoom, all of your personal identifying information will be produced out of that. And then um, we will have a recording where people will be able to benefit from this later. But for sure, the first hour will be available um, at some point, maybe as early as um, next week. So we'll just see if I have the time to produce all of that, but we will make sure that I post on Facebook, on social media channels when that's available. So those of you also who are um, interested in staying in touch and want to know when that is released, another way to do that is to subscribe to my newsletter. You can do that by going to life-giver.org where you can subscribe to that. And that's an easy way to find out when new things are happening. So, so yeah, you good? Yeah. All right. Got that out of your system. Okay. All right, cool. So uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is the insanity cycle. Um, it's been termed that by uh, an, uh, an emotionally focused therapist. Uh, it's something I think every 
couple every relationship actually experiences. Um, we're going to use terms like spouse. So we're going to keep it gender neutral. Uh, we usually use like a serving spouse and a supporting spouse, but, you know, spouse to spouse. Um, and uh, we wanted to lean in and acknowledge something that I think we all experience, which is that um, you want to be close in your relationship. You want it to be working. You want to be um, higher functioning than any of us are. You want to have that attachment and that connection. And uh, there are different roles that each person will play in that that we'll talk about. But kind of the way that we experience the insanity cycle, at least we have in the last uh, last day, is we try and lean in to get better, deeper understanding with one another. And, um, and then in the midst of that, we each kind of default back to chosen roles and to, to habits and to patterns that it's very difficult to get out of. Um, and it takes a level of maturity in your heart and in your, your actions to recognize it, to arrest it in that moment, and then to choose a different path. Because insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, and then just hoping you get a different result. And so we're hoping that we can encourage you just from being vulnerable and open with our experience and some uh, patterns that uh, we recognize that everybody has. So yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I want to speak to what everybody might be feeling right now, whether you're on Facebook or Zoom watching. Um, I, you know, right now the world is just off. If you didn't notice, it's off and things are a little crazy. And I, you know, and one thing that I'm definitely noticing in the culture in my sessions, especially because, you know, counseling sessions are a place where everybody feels a little bit safer to um, decompress and share how they're really feeling. And so one of the things that I'm seeing definitely across the board Board, is everybody's definitely been anxious for a very long time. There's a lot of big decisions to be made about school. Some of you guys already started school with your kids. Some of you guys are still waiting like we are. And at first it was kind of nice to have everybody home and, and be around your spouse mm -hmm. a lot. And then, um, and now kind of we're getting into this place where we're kind of like, not sure how we feel about the fact that everybody's home anymore. And we've kind of gone from a place of high anxiety to a place of like lots of close contact, lots of waiting for that uncertainty to end, really needing people to make decisions. And, and I even heard someone say today, I just want to go back to February. I just want things to go back to the way that they were. And when you feel like that's not coming anytime soon, it just leaves you in this heightened anxiety place. And I think that when we're already feeling anxious about the world and about our kids and about like whatever your parents, whatever else you might be going through, we bring that anxiety to our relationship and it makes it that much easier to set each other off, mm -hmm. to be triggered by each other, to say things we usually don't mean, to be a little bit more irritable. You know, and we won't go into it tonight, but you know, we, Matt and I went through a long time ago, what it was like for both of our adrenal glands to be completely depleted to where we were not experiencing stress very easily. Mm -hmm. And then really taking that out on each other because our adrenal glands couldn't even keep up with the stress that was in our life. And so sometimes there's all these variables that are happening that contribute mm -hmm. to the stress and to the chaos that could be happening in your relationship. So I just want to point out, um, wherever you are, in the insanity cycle, wherever you are in your marriage right now, um, sometimes it, it feels better to just kind of take a step back and go, all right, maybe the problem isn't 100% us. Mm -hmm. Like think of it like a pie chart that there's all these other pieces of the pie. There's all these variables that could be going on that are contributing to the stress that's going on in your relationship. It may not be 100% your spouse or 100% your marriage or even just the kids, it's a lot of stuff that's going on. And so we really want to encourage you guys to be good teammates to each other and, and yes, experience life face to face, but, mm -hmm. um, but sometimes shoulder to shoulder is good too. So I think um, what I'd like to do is just go ahead and jump into what is this insanity cycle that we keep talking about. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to screen share, um, and uh, I'm going to screen share this with definitely our Zoom. Um, Facebook, be patient with me for just a second. So what I will just do. Screen share it on Zoom. Yeah, that's all I'm going to do. So Facebook, you, you're going to be kind of without a little bit. Um, because, but I am going to, I might be able to, so let me screen share here. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, Matt, to yeah. go ahead and just kind of 
talk about thumbs up um those of you on zoom if you can see the picture there we go everybody can see it can you see it large screen see it big enough yes awesome okay so those of you on facebook i will put this picture in the comments and i'm going to let matt go ahead and start on that and that way um, zoom, um facebook you can access it when and if you can so what we've typically seen with helping out marriages um she's been a counselor we've been doing this for about 20 years um is that we marry our opposite and it may not be a totally polar opposite, but I think the longer that you are married or in a relationship, you can kind of tend to push one another away or towards that other opposite area. And so when we're talking about an insanity cycle with communication that eventually evolves into an argument or an ineffective argument or ineffective dialogue, rather, um, you usually have one that's a pursuer and one that is a withdrawal. So in our relationship, I'll speak from the pursuer kind of behavior is that I normally tend to try and lean in to fix problems. Um, even if she were to walk away, which she doesn't, but she'll at least uh, kind of sit there. I'm, I'm trying to lean in, trying to fix the problem, trying to talk about it a little bit more. And what I know with pursuers is they usually are, tend to be more extroverted. So it's not just a matter of I want to fix the problem. It's also a matter of I have to talk the problem out out loud before I can really figure out what it is that's going on, um, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. So I usually tell her the first few things that I say outside my mouth are not exactly how I feel. It's not what I think. And so uh, don't really totally rely on that. Let me at least talk it out a little bit more so I can actually get to where it's at. What that requires from her, and she'll speak in a minute to what it means to be the withdrawer, is to actually um, manage her emotions in such a way that the, the things that I'm saying don't get her triggered and don't get her spun up so that I have an opportunity to get to where I want to get. And that's when, when it's ideal, that's what happens. When it's ideal, she's able to kind of calm herself to think through what it is that I'm saying and to allow me that space. But that is not what happens in the insanity cycle. So when I'll lean in as a pursuer to try and fix the problem, to bring up what could be a hot topic, even if I feel like it's a safe time, um, I could be out like, do you guys remember date nights? It used to be this thing like long ago, people used to get into their car, which is this thing with wheels. And you would go to a place like out to eat and people would serve you and you could actually eat in that place without fear of dying. So when we used to go out on date nights and you feel safe and you feel connected, the pursuer is like, now is the optimum time to work on our problems. And it's not. And it took me years to go, oh, that's, yeah, I should actually be here in the moment. So with my pursuing, what I'm really trying to do is get connection, trying to get over something that's difficult in our life, really talk through a hot button issue so that we can get on the other side of it, so we can have shared understanding about that issue, or to try and get through something that is in the moment a difficulty in order that we can be close. But that's really not how you as a withdrawer kind of see that. No. And so what I, one of the things that I want to point out, and those of you who are watching on Facebook, I posted the graphic that I'm showing to our Zoom participants on the main page. So it's, it's there at the top of my main Facebook page. But here's the thing. So we all kind of enter this, this insanity cycle at different moments. And so the withdrawer could start it. The pursuer could start it. Notice it's an infinity, which means there's kind of no beginning and there's no end, right? So we're going to talk about like... You know, does it matter who starts it? Does it matter? Who and that's a key it? thing. Yeah. I mean, if it's an infinity insanity cycle, I mean, blame doesn't really come into matter. Um, so the more that you're attempting to blame, the more you're attempting to find fault with the other person and try and say you're the problem. And that's that's what's key. I used to have a narrative counseling professor to people Muchawera, and he would say the person is not the problem. The problem is the problem. He was from Africa. He was from Africa. <laughs> and it was <laughs> wonderful the way he would say it. And she, I, I remember that because to people as Africa is from, I think it was from Nigeria yeah. for Matthew. And so I would constantly come up there and go, you know, the person is not the problem. The problem is the problem. So in all of this, before you start with yeah. the drawer, um, You've got to realize both the pursuer and the withdrawer, their intent is to either fix the marriage, to gain connection or closeness, to restore that, that, um, that intimacy within the relationship, or to avoid things going bad. 
So yes. they both, you know, it's, I'm not for, I'm, I'm for you. I'm not against you. And so there's, there's that, that joint issue that you got to realize we're just coming at the same issue in a, in different ways. Exactly. And so if you guys haven't noticed already, we typically marry our opposite and this is not true 100% of the time, but a lot of times you are, um, I said have, that when you were already fixing the tech, but but okay. So then I'll skip that then. So notice that him is the pursuer really we're looking at the top of this graphic just above the dotted line. That's all I want you to look at right now for just a minute. Okay. So whoever is the pursuer who typically is the extrovert, just because it says the behaviors there at the top are critical, hostile, aggressive, and attacking, mm -hmm. which by the way, I did not make this graphic. And I realized that that's a typo if you can't see that. So it's not my fault. But the point is, is that just because um, those behaviors are listed does not mean that like in Matt's case, being the pursuer, that he feels like he's being aggressive right? This is actually my experience mm -hmm. as a withdrawer of the pursuer is that I am experiencing him as the pursuer, as aggressive or as a as critical of me or as attacking me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that that's his intention. No. Okay. So I want you guys to hear that very clearly. Um, just because you are experiencing a certain set of behaviors from your spouse does not mean that that is their intention. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. Okay. So when he, when I, experience him as aggressive or critical doesn't mean he's trying to do that right mm -hmm. notice how that arrow goes straight down to the primary emotion so now we're going under the surface right under the surface means that he is not experiencing those primary emotions i'm experiencing mm -hmm. that under the surface okay so under the surface under that dotted line is what we are experiencing that the other person is either not seeing and sometimes it is some it's subconscious even to us that we are not even aware that we're feeling that way. Okay. We all are interacting above the surface, above the dotted line. And so above the dotted line is the conflict that's happening between the two. And one thing you've got to know when we're looking at those two primary levels of emotion, you're going into it wanting connection, but what right. we end up creating in the other person are those levels, those primary emotions. So when we're talking about marriage, I can't control her. She can't control me. I could never look at her and say, you're, you've made me mad because I don't have a switch on me that she can just go, ha, mad. And she's made me mad. Really, it has more to do with the influence that she has in my life and the influence that I have in her life. So if I go in and go, wow, if, if I go in this way, with these behaviors that she perceives as critical, hostile, or aggressive, I'm going to create those primary emotions in her. That's not what I want to accomplish. And so talking You're going about to influence, influence me to, to feel those primary. So it's so hard, right? It's even hard for us to change that language because when he, when he, let's go back to that, just so I can articulate what he's trying to say here. When he pursues me and I experience it as critical, right? He's, you know, whatever he says, and you guys can start to hopefully applying this to your own life. Like, what is it that your spouse or wh whoever's the pursuer, what is it that you're trying to do? And what is it that you're actually saying? Mm -hmm. It triggers me in this case to feel inadequate, let's say. So if I feel like, in fact, we won't get into the topic, but last night, that's, that's exactly what was happening between us is that he was trying to help me with great intention, mm -hmm. but I was here hearing it as criticism, right? So as I heard it as criticism, I immediately felt the primary emotion of inadequacy, mm -hmm. right? And shame. Like, why can't I do this better? Why do I, why do I even need his feedback? Right? Like all that prideful, selfish inadequacy starts to come up in me. And if I'm not, if I don't slow down long enough to pay attention to the fact that I'm feeling that way, it's almost like, like we just got for our son today, a trampoline in the mail, like it just came, we haven't even set it up yet, but those primary emotions, oh yeah, let's stop that screen share for just a second. So it's like, it's almost like a trampoline, right? Like when I experience that primary emotion of inadequacy, if I'm not careful, I will bounce straight back up and withdraw, mm -hmm. right? And it happens so quickly that I end up withdrawing out of my own shame, out of my own inadequacy. Thumbs up from those of you that I can see that this is making sense to you. Yeah. Is anybody else like going, yeah, I can see this in my own life. So yes. one way that I know this happens for me as a service member is that I will tend to because we have to lead such a highly regulated life, the way that we would choose to or want to viscerally react to some of the things that we deal with on a daily basis at work, 
we're unable to because of the hierarchy that's there, because of the way that you have to manage your military bearing. So you store all that energy up. You may be doing something at work where somebody may go, well, you're just incompetent and you just have to take that. You just have to kind of eat that at that time, even if you don't want to. You get beat down and then you're having to, whether it's hurry up and wait and you feel like people don't value me. Like my time is not valuable enough for people to plan better, for people to schedule so they're not wasting my time and I'm not sitting out in the hot Texas sun, (laughs) right? And so it can tend to drive you crazy. All that stuff gets stored up. It's all that negative energy, right? Well, then it's got to go somewhere. So you tend to bring it home. And even if you get a chance to talk about it, it doesn't go away. You're not like, oh, this is what happened. And I feel better about it now because I talked about it that energy is still there. So what happens is, let's say for instance, I'm, you know, it didn't happen, but I get treated like I'm incompetent at work. This is, so, this did not happen. This yeah, is a hypothetical. Totally, yeah, to- totally hypothetical, but I know it happens to a lot of people where they're like, I, I know what I'm talking about. So they bring that feeling of incompetence or low value or low worth or the way they just may get beat down at work for whoever, you know, whatever's happening. They bring that home. One little thing is that little spark that sets it off in the other person where the pursuer comes this way and is like, hey, Check it out. Uh, I totally didn't load the dishwasher the right way this morning. And then all Which of a sudden, comes across all as critical, even though they, that person may not be trying to be critical. Yeah. They right? may just be going, hey, here's a little issue I'd like to fix and then move on. Mm-hmm. Well, all that energy just hits and bounces off that one little verbal interaction hits bounces off that negative energy and that's where the cycle just starts. Okay. So, um if I'm not aware of how his behavior whether he was intentional about that or not, if I'm not aware self-aware of mm-hmm. how that is triggering me, I'm going to bounce straight up and whatever whether I'm the withdrawer or the pursuer, it's going to cause me to react, right? Mm-hmm. So when I react as the withdrawer, I'm going to immediately start to withdraw, which is what I did last night. I started to withdraw and Mm -hmm. I started to kind of close in and I want to escape from the tension. I want to escape from the conflict. And by escaping from the conflict, I'm so remember when Matt said, we're all trying to find that attachment. We all want to be connected. Mm -hmm. We don't want this insanity cycle in the marriage. So for the withdrawer, I am. So I'm speaking to all those introverts that are always running away from the conflict right now. Okay. I can see. Yep. I see some of you raising your hands. Like, you know, that's who you are. Okay. So I'm going to speak for you guys for just a second. Our withdrawal, our withdrawal is all about trying to maintain the attachment of the marriage. Mm -hmm. We're trying to end the tension end the conflict because we don't want to feel further separate in the relationship. So our withdrawing is all about, let's end this quickly. And maybe if I just stop talking or stop fighting or stop whatever Mm -hmm. withdrawing, then it will be over sooner. So it's a common phrase for her is like, you know, can we just get by this? Can we get past this so we can get back to peace and stability? I think my words this morning were, I think I just need to be alone. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. At that point in time, you do you. You're out. You do you. Um, <laughs> and so when that happens, that's when I lean in and I go, well, I'm not resolved. Like there's mm-hmm. still some spilkas in the connect gazoink, and I don't know what's happening. Like there, some of y'all feel me. You're you're old and you Total watch Saturday Southern. Night Live. No, it's not Southern. It's Yiddish. Oh, okay. It's okay. Somebody didn't watch Saturday Night Live growing up. <laughs> so you got that stuff there, and you're like, I got to get this out. I got to talk about it. And you're kind of ruminating. You're like, I don't know why I feel this way. Why do I feel this way? I feel this way because it's something that you. And we like direct that energy towards that other person and they are not wanting to deal with the energy and not wanting to resolve it. Okay. Before we get to what to do, um, I think we've got to finish out. Thank you to those of you who are interacting on Facebook. I do see you. Um, Those of you who are the, um, I want, I want you to have the opportunity to explain your primary emotions that you experience as the pursuer. um, When you, um, when you, when I withdraw. Okay. Okay. So just like I experience those feelings of inadequacy, when I withdraw from him, right. When I withdraw, then it's going to create the opportunity for him to experience what? Um, I'm not important here. 
everything comes in messages. Okay. So I think when we grow up, um, our parents, people that we interact with people that we assign value to, uh, depending on their level of interaction with us, um, we allow them to like press record on our little tape recorders. You remember those big tape recorders? We all, some of y'all are old enough. I, I keep mentioning age, but, um, those tape recorders, we had to press play and record at the same time, or you had to press a little red button. Right. So when we grow up, we allow people to just record stuff. And we're like, we walk around with our tape recorder and we're like, oh, well, you're, you're a valuable person in my life here, record something. And then we get that little message. And the more we listen to those messages and we tend to gravitate towards negative messages because we'd rather fix our weaknesses than lean into our strengths. Those little negative messages we start to hear over time. And so in those interactions, if it feels close enough to a previous message we've had, we tie it together. And we say, oh, well, that's what this means, that I'm not good enough. Oh, I don't, I'm not worthy of you to spend that time to try and fix what we have going on. And, uh, or you're just going to be defensive and you're not, you're not, this is like our big one is you're not willing to admit when you're wrong or that you did something and that you want to apologize for. Mm -hmm. And so after we go through the insanity cycle enough, the apology comes but it doesn't feel like an apology. It's like a Sabo round apology. <laughs> so, and by that time we flipped, she becomes the pursuer. I become the withdrawer. So, but what I feel, my primary emotions are, yeah, unwanted, isolated, abandoned, unimportant, disconnected, unloved. And it tends to wrongly confirm my worst fears. And out of that fear, I want to, I want to prove that fear wrong which then sends me in the loop again to go in order to prove that fear wrong, the fear that I'm unloved, we really need to get some connections. So I'm going to double down mm-hmm. on pursuing you, which leads to. Yes. So with, which, which we start back all over again. Okay. So I see some smiles and some kind of like, nudging that's happening on zoom with a few people of like, that's you or that's me or, or whatever. So I'm, I'm assuming some of this is um, relating. So such a shift to realize that the withdrawer is actually trying yeah. to maintain the connection. Jessica, thank you for seeing that. Okay. So here's the thing I'm, I'm screen sharing again for those on zoom, our graphic again, I want to show you something. If you didn't notice already, look above the dotted line and notice how the secondary emotions on both sides are the exact same emotions. Do you see that? It's very, very important that you see this because regardless of whether or not you're the pursuer or the withdrawer, what we are actually experiencing of each other Mm -hmm. is the same emotions going back and forth. He is, he's angry and frustrated because he feels um, alone because I've withdrawn. I'm feeling frustrated and anxious and angry because I feel inadequate and I feel criticized. But what we're experiencing on the surface are the same emotions going on at the same time. And if we could start there, if we could just start there and realize that we're both going through on the surface, the same thing, number one, and that your spouse is not trying to hurt you, right? Shanti Feldhan, one of my, our favorite tips, um, Shanti Feldhan did, uh, she's a researcher. She's written a ton of books on men and women. Um, there, her books are fantastic, but she did a whole study on, on the happiest couples. And she Mm -hmm. went and studied, I think 1600 of the happiest couples she could find to figure out why are you so happy? How are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Right. And the number one thing that she found that 99.996% of these couples did six is very important. Very important. Right. Cause there's that 1.004, whoever that was. So three people in a thousand (laughs) don't do this. Don't do this is that they believed that their spouse had the best intentions at heart. They believed that their spouse was not trying to hurt them. So if this, that's, I think tip number one for tonight is that if you can remember that when you are triggered in your insanity cycle and you're triggering each other, that you realize that you're both feeling those same emotions at the same time in your conflict and that you both are feeling something and you're both doing the best you can, but your spouse is not trying to hurt you is one of the most powerful things that you can do in your marriage. For me as the withdrawer to realize that even though I'm experiencing him as critical, 
all. That does not mean that's his intentions. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that he's actually trying to be critical. That's my experience of him being critical because like he said, I have those old tape recorded lies within me from wherever growing up or throughout my teenage years or wherever it came from that's waiting all the time under the surface for me to look for opportunities to feel inadequate. Mm right? Just like maybe for the, for the pursuer under the surface, there's like he said, the fear of, is it possibly true that I really am alone in this life? And you, my experience of my spouse is that I'm going to be left alone because you keep withdrawing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to everybody? Nod your head. If that's true, if you can relate. The two phrases that we use to remind ourselves in the moment, or even before the moment where we need to talk about a hot button issue or we need to resolve a current situation is I'm for us. I'm not against us. And we usually like, we'll know that we're about to like really get into a place where we need to talk. If the other one comes up and we like hold hands, we'll like hold hands and literally part because that means that we got to be mature. Yeah. And you also can kind of, if you hear (laughs) it, the pursuer and the withdrawer both probably hear this little like round one, (laughs) you know, and you're like, Oh no, I got to get my, my guard going. Um, yeah, so you I'm going to plug it down. in. We're good. Facebook, wait, wait, we're not no, going to lose that. you. It's okay. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Facebook, we're, st- the, we're uh, still here with you. I got to plug the phone in. You're on Keep the going, link man. there? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the two key things are I'm for us. I'm not against us. And the other one is um, the person is not the problem. The problem is the problem. And so understanding, yeah, it's like all over the place. Though. I'm coming to you, Facebook. So, Phone's about to die. All right. So all good. If you can understand that the problem is the problem, if you can understand that I'm for us, I'm not against us, that really couches whatever you're about to talk about, whatever you're about Mm -hmm. to discuss the right way so that you can actually kind of go into it, let your guard down. So we've talked a lot about the insanity cycle. Mm -hmm. What is it that you do when you're a withdrawer and you feel like I'm starting to pursue and it's starting to trigger some of those negative emotions? What do you have to do as a withdrawer in order to stop yourself and engage in the moment in the correct way? I Okay, so stick with me while I kind of think through this. So I think for me, um, first, I, I have to tell myself, um, is it that he's actually being critical or is it just that that's my just experience of him? And I always have to tell myself, he's for me, not against me. Um, he's doing the best he can. He's not trying to hurt me. And I, I'm sensing myself starting to shame spiral. Mm-hmm. So um, if you don't know the difference, guilt is a productive emotion of I made a mistake and I'm going to write that mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. Mm-hmm. So anything that starts with in my head, anything that starts with I am fill in the blank. I am not good at this. I am, I keep messing up. I um he's pointing out a flaw and I feel embarrassed about that or inadequate, whatever those messages that are happening in my head, when I can start hearing in my head, that kind of defeated feeling that deflated kind of experience. Um, I know that I'm starting to withdraw. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that would be another tip on this insanity cycle is that we need to be looking Mm -hmm. in our spouse for that moment of deflation. Mm -hmm right? Because we both are going to do it above the surface. As soon as we get triggered, you're going to see the nonverbal deflation, Mm -hmm. right? As a withdrawer, I'm going to deflate and I'm, you know, you know what the shame, the the look of shame looks like, right? It's like this, right? It's like that discouragement of, oh, here we go again, right? And so I have to recognize that within myself just as much as I, as I also need to work on looking for it in him. So that would be the the first thing that I have to sense within myself. And then it's harder to catch if I don't catch it there, right? Because if it bounces back up and I start withdrawing, mm-hmm. I'm already like, I'm out, right? Like I, I want to get out of this conflict. And so um, I think once I get to the surface, you know, when we get to those secondary emotions of frustration, um, I think for me as a withdrawer, I need to um, arrest the withdrawer within me. And I think what I've worked on really mm-hmm. hard over the years and to last 20 years is learning to force myself to actually pursue you Mm -hmm. when I want to withdraw. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. One thing I've noticed about her as a, um, as an introvert is that often um, she'll think 
things so uh, intently that she may think that she actually said it or that she did it. Um, Whereas with an extrovert, I know whether or not I'm saying or doing something because I'm either getting energy from that moment or I don't have the energy because I haven't been able to have that level of interaction. Um, And so when she's having that, that, uh, that, that kind of like, um, withdrawal inadequate or yeah. shame yeah when she's having that shame where she she feels like oh i didn't really kind of kind of lean into that um i've got to pay attention let me think about it for a second you yeah can, no i, I think yeah. it's i think this is hard because we're only in our own skin it's yeah. really hard so when you look at those primary emotions on the bottom i am responsible for whether or not i choose to entertain the primary emotions on my side mm-hmm. does that make sense to everybody like he's not responsible for knowing whether or not I'm feeling inadequate or whether I'm feeling shame in that moment. That's not his responsibility because he's not in my head and I'm not in his. Mm -hmm. He has influence into whether or not he behaves in a certain way in his worst moments. Can the pursuer actually be critical and aggressive? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All of us in our worst moments can actually exhibit those behaviors, whether we want to or not in our I mean, the further the insanity cycle like continues, the more these behaviors are actually going to be happening. So I have to acknowledge within myself and choose whether or not I will entertain those primary emotions under the surface. Mm-hmm. He can't do that for me. Yeah. I think also the awareness is where I was trying to get to. I was trying to get the right words. The awareness that in this situation, I have to maintain an awareness that I am underestimating the amount of energy that I'm bringing to the moment. And she may be overestimating it, yeah. the amount of energy that she's bringing into the moment. Meaning Where, he doesn't realize how much he's actually pursuing. Yeah. And I'm actually um, feeling like it's too much when mm-hmm. I'm, he may not actually be pursuing as yeah. much as I feel like he is. And so what happens if I feel like she's not bringing enough energy into the conversation, the, the argument, the we're going to fix this moment, I feel unseen. And the most powerful thing for a human is to feel seen Mm -hmm. because when you feel seen, you feel understood. And when you feel understood, you can then feel loved. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't seeing one another, they're seeing past that person or they're so closed into themselves and they're only seeing their own emotions and their own response. That's when the other person becomes deflated because they're, they're bringing something up in order for us to resolve it and get to it. But then they're like, Oh, but you're, all right, I'm going to say it again. All right. And I'm going to say it a little bit louder this time because I really need you to engage on this so we can really fix this out. And then all of a sudden I'm going to bring a little bit more energy and oh, you're trying to walk away. No, apparently you don't really you want to fix people this. Down the hallway. Yeah. And so I, in the insanity cycle to arrest it, have to manage the amount of energy that I'm bringing to that moment. I have to really ratchet myself down yeah. where she may have to kind of come up in the energy level. And that may be her asking clarifying questions. It may be her like restating or active listening that I'm like, okay, all right, cool. She's seeing me. She's getting it. She, even if she's nodding her head, I'm at least being able to kind of get this out so I can get to what I think may be the root problem. And remember the person is not the problem. The problem is the problem. In that moment, it's taken me 20 solid years to control my heart rate, Mm -hmm. to control the volume of my voice, to be able to control, yeah, to really slow down. And I mean, it may be me sitting on the floor, closing my eyes and working very hard to choose the exact right words because in my pursuit, I have done damage. In my pursuit, I have caused harm and and really created a complexity. And this may start with, you left the cap off of the ranch dressing. And then it may get to, at the very tail end, well, so, you know, you never finish anything in life. And all of a sudden, you're like, where, how did we get, how how did we really get to add all these things in? Well, it's because I am poking and prodding until I get that level of energy. But I'm never really happy when I finally get all that energy, when it finally comes back my way, because then I become the withdrawer 
and you begin to pursue. Yeah. So let me just say, um, I often get a lot of questions. And so I, um, I would love, there's always, there's not always one or the other, perhaps both. Yes. Okay. So that was exactly where we were going to go. I think yep. Amos Rue that just posted that on zoom. Okay. So, um, I often get a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of questions about, well, what if I'm not always the withdrawer? Like sometimes mm -hmm. I am the pursuer and I become aggressive. And so here's just what I've noticed. There is no way to like box everybody up and label everybody. But what I have noticed is that when we first start the insanity cycle and start to trigger each other, we tend to take on our typical default roles of pursuer or withdraw. But what happens is, is the longer you're in that insanity cycle, the more intense it starts to get. At some point, everybody flips. Um, he had a really great way of explaining that. So in Myers-Briggs with Carl Jung, he has this idea that when we get to our lowest point, call our shadow self. So for me, particularly, I'm normally intuitive, which basically means that I kind of feel a certain, I feel like something is the right thing to do. And I'm pretty confident that's, but I may not be getting that information from the world around me. I may not have read that somewhere. I may not have heard it. I just kind of have an internal intuitive sense that this is the right thing to do. So an intuitive person becomes either hungry, angry, lonely, or tired to a really high level they automatically flip to sensing. And so they are overtaking, they are taking way too much energy in. So when, when we're having a conversation and I just kind of like, I'm sensing that this is kind of a something that we need to deal with. This is, you know, a hot button issue. I'm kind of sensing this is going on within you, but I don't really have information. She's more of a sensing person. She's like, oh, really? So where is that? Where did you see it? When did, did I say that? It? When did I say when it? When did we agree where we were we, doing when that? When did I do that? Point <laughs> it out. I needed, you know, line by line. Where I'm like. I can reason him out of his sensing any day. Out of my intuition. Which drives him nuts. Yeah, out of my intuition. Yeah. Yeah. So you say sensing so much because it's just like you feel like everybody is sensing. So when that's going on, after the conversation has happened long enough and I lose the energy, or I've been, I feel unwanted, alone, abandoned enough. That's when I just kind of pop smoke and I'm like, okay, whatever. That's when I shut down. That's when I become distant because I am like overwhelmed and I choose like, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just match you. And that's what's funny is like at some point you kind of hop mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, well, in order to do this, I just kind of, um, I just kind of hop over to the other area and try and match you. Um, when you choose maturity, you are taking your um, your emotions and your response, and you're just putting it on hold. Okay, so if you need to have a little pad of paper where you're going, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This, I mean, I can think this is one way to go about it. What you want to do is you want to take your emotions and your response and kind of put it on hold. And that's if this if this discussion or this argument isn't like totally destructive. If you're into um, if you're into personal attacks um, and feeling threatened in that way, then you really need to call a timeout. Mm -hmm. But if it's just feeling like we're not really understanding, that's when you know you're in the insanity cycle when you're not matching and understanding. You know, seek to understand rather than be understood. Take what's going on inside you, put it on hold over the side, and know we're going to come back to that. Mm -hmm. So when the other person chooses to that chooses that level of maturity. The other person has to acknowledge it and go, okay, I know that when you listen to me um, and, and you start allowing me in that pursuit to really unpack what it is that I'm dealing with, I know that I'm still causing stuff inside you that I need to circle back around. I won't, we won't get to the point where I'm like, Phew, she heard me, man, that was great. I feel good. You feel good. You feel good. Great. Let's go get a beer. Great. It's awesome. No, I've got to stop, call a timeout and go, okay. I feel understood. I feel seen. Now, what was your response? And then be aware that it's my turn to put my stuff over on the side. Because in that, I may have caused a little bit of damage. In that, I may have triggered some of the things that, you know, she has pressed record on and brought up some other messages so that I can go, oh, no, I totally didn't want you to feel like you were unable to do that. I don't want you to feel like you weren't capable of doing that. I want you to feel like I see your competent enable. So let me, let me say this before we wrap up for Facebook. Okay. And take a break. Those primary emotions under the surface 
Each of us are responsible for deciding whether or not we are going to entertain those emotions under the surface for our side. But please hear me say, here is, here is what's powerful. If you can realize that the most influence that you have in your spouse's life and in your marriage is realizing that you have the ability to tend to the, those primary emotions in your spouse, it will stop the insanity cycle. Mm -hmm. If I can go, all right, he is only pursuing right now because he feels alone. If I can remember this insanity cycle graph, right? And if I can go, yes, I feel criticized right now and attacked and I want to withdraw, but I've already withdrawn. And so therefore I know he's feeling alone right now, which is causing him to want to pursue. I'm not responsible for the fact that he might be entertaining mm -hmm. how alone he feels. However, if I can pause within myself and decide I'm going to be a mature person here and not make it all about me mm -hmm. or put me on pause for just a second, because there is no person who started this. There is no person who is to blame, who has to finish it. It's whoever's going to be the most mature mm -hmm. to decide to stop it. Yeah. Right. Usually the insanity cycle is like, you need to say you're sorry. No, you need to say you're sorry. And it's not going to be over till you say you're sorry. There is no way to stop this infinity cycle until one of you, or even better, both of you decide to be mature. And the way you be mature is to put, is to humble yourself and put yourself second and choose to say, you are valuable mm -hmm. enough to me that I'm going to put myself on pause and the feelings that I'm having, and I'm not going to do the thing that I want to do right now, which is run. And instead I'm going to invest in your heart to say, I know that typically when we're in the insanity cycle, that you feel alone. Mm -hmm. And what I'm here to tell you right now is you are not alone. And I'm so sorry if I did anything that made you feel like you might be alone because I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. And even though I'm scared and feeling like I, I want to run away, I'm going to choose not to because I love you. And I want to tell you how important you are, how wanted you are and how I'm right here and not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to choose to be that person, he has to say this, the opposite to me, right? He has mm -hmm. to say, you're not it. I know I might be coming across as critical. That is not my intention. You are fully capable. Mm -hmm. You are totally adequate. You do not need to be sh feeling ashamed. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know, what, what can I do to keep you from being overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. So I can, can kind of take some of that back. You have incredible influence into your marriage. If we can choose to be humble and if we can choose to be the mature one in mm -hmm. the moment, even better when you both are mature together. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org. Okay.